Yes, we're open. Living Faith with Needham UCC, a sermon podcast from the Congregational Church of Needham United Church of Christ, where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you're invited and welcome. This sermon for Sunday, November 7th, 2021, is entitled Breathe. It's part seven in our nine-part series, reading Valerie Kaur's book, See No Stranger, a memoir and manifesto of revolutionary love, alongside the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our reading today comes from the gospel according to Mark, chapter 9, verses 2 through 9. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to find out more about our open and affirming ministries at the Congregational Church of Needham, United Church of Christ, simply head over to our website, www.needhamucc.org. Thank you. Our reading for today comes from the New Testament, from the Gospels, from the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 9, verses 2 through 8. I'm reading today from the Contemporary English Version. Let's listen together for a living word from God for us in these words from the Gospel according to Mark. Six days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him. They went up on a high mountain where they could be alone. There in front of the disciples, Jesus was completely changed and his clothes became much whiter than any bleach on earth could make them. Then Moses and Elijah were there, talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Teacher, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But Peter and the others were terribly frightened, and he did not know what he was talking about. The shadow of a cloud passed over and covered them. From the cloud, a voice said, This is my son, and I love him. Listen to what he says. At once the disciples looked around, but they saw only Jesus. Friends, God is still speaking to the world and to us. May our hearts be open to listen and to respond. Amen. It had been a tough couple of weeks at work and personally. If he was brutally honest, it had been a tough couple of years. Work-wise, as good as the work itself was, helping people, making a difference, bringing hope and healing to so many in need, working to reform the systems and institutions that kept them down and despairing, offering a vision of the way the world could be, and not just for a few, but for all. No, as good as the work was, it was still hard, and it took so much out of him. And then those very systems and institutions opposed to that vision, and the politicians and other leaders who benefited the most from them were determined to oppose it at every turn, determined to see him silenced one way or another. And then there were the personal challenges. As much as he loved his friends and his colleagues in the work, there were days, days when they just didn't get it, days when they seemed as likely to destroy all he'd hoped to build, not out of any kind of malice, but 
rather from a lack of imagination or an overabundance of all-too-human self-centeredness or just plain inertia. Just a day or two ago, he had called an organizational meeting to clarify their goals and strategies and talk about the likely consequences should they hold to their present course and continue speaking truth to power, raising the consciousness of the poor and oppressed, and imagining with them out loud a new and better way in the world. He had tried to talk openly about his willingness to put his life on the line for what he believed in. It was a moment of intense vulnerability for him. He didn't need soothing. He needed their support. But they weren't having any of it and insisted, no, 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 everything will be all right. He just needed to have more faith. More faith? Him? Get behind me, Satan. Some days it was awfully hard to love even your friends, much less your neighbors and much, much less your enemies. So Jesus turned aside and took time off in order to love himself. He gathered those closest to him and together they went on retreat up into the mountains to remember and be renewed in his connections, his rootedness in God, in his loved ones, in his faith tradition, in the natural world around him, and even in his own body. Even at this critical moment, in his, the most important mission, to transform and literally save the world, Jesus took time for himself. He took time to breathe. As we have been reading our way this fall through her book, See No Stranger, author and activist Valerie Kaur has been walking us through her vision for revolutionary love, beginning with loving others, then loving those whose choices put them in opposition to love, and now, at last, hardest of all, loving ourselves. And loving ourselves, she says, begins with remembering to breathe. Which is an oxymoron, of course. How can we remember to breathe when breathing is something our bodies do automatically without our conscious involvement? But that is precisely the point. Something happens when we consciously embrace our unconscious bodies in this way when we stop taking them for granted and paying attention. As Kaur points out, Buddhist, Hindu, and many other wisdom traditions have taught conscious breathwork for centuries, and I would include some of our own Christian traditions. When we pay attention to our breath, she says, our minds are called to the present moment. Not the past, not the future, here and now. Inhale, exhale. Breathing creates space and time to be present. Present to sensation, present to surroundings, present to one another, present to ourselves. Deep breathing and paying attention to sensations in our bodies as we breathe increases our resilience. Shallow breathing, which is what most of us do the vast majority of the time, makes us more vulnerable to stress and illness. 
breathing from the diaphragm engages the parasympathetic nervous system and the vagus nerve. It changes our blood pressure and our heart rate and reduces the risk of inflammatory diseases, including those caused by social trauma and chronic stress. On the flip side, forgetting to breathe, having the breath squeezed from us, serves only to increase those adverse health outcomes. Core reminds us that breathing is perhaps the most universally available wellness tool. And yet despite this, or because of it, breathing is also strangely controversial. And our society has very clear, if unwritten, rules about who gets to breathe and who doesn't, who gets to take the time and is given with resources to care for themselves, and who doesn't and isn't. Breathing creates space in our lives to think and see differently, enliven our imaginations, awaken to pleasure, move toward freedom, and let joy in, Kors says. For those who live in bodies that are denigrated by society, breathing like this is a political act. And here she's echoing the words of self-affirming black lesbian mother warrior poet Audre Lorde, who maintained that caring for myself is not an act of self-indulgence. It is self-preservation, and that is an act of political warfare. Loving ourselves, caring for ourselves, isn't just a matter of taking a pit stop on the way to the goal of liberation. It is part of the goal itself. It is a way of establishing an outpost of revolutionary love, an outpost of the coming kingdom of God here and now within the boundaries of our own bodies. For those parts of the wider human body who are oppressed, Rest is a political and theological declaration that movements for social justice will no longer happen on our backs or oven over our dead bodies, as contemporary activist Adrienne Marie Brown puts it. Breathing in this way is a reminder of what God intends for all people. And for us as well. For those more privileged parts of the body, like us, perhaps. Rest is still good and necessary for us, too, if for no other reason than simple longevity, but also for longevity in the struggle for justice, peace, and compassion, too. Because despite the unrealistic, unhealthy demands of our infamous, progressive, Protestant work ethic, the kingdom's not going to come any sooner if we work ourselves into an early grave. All we do then is waste the good gifts that God has given us in us. But every time we do rest, there's an opportunity to remember there are others. Too many, the majority, who are not afforded that opportunity. Every time we breathe and rest, there's an opportunity to remember all those who cannot breathe, who are not allowed to rest, who wrongly are forced to bear the weight, not just of their own lives, but of ours as well. Indeed, the weight of all the systems and institutions of our inside-out, upside-down world in their bodies in their children's bodies, in the bodies of their communities. 
As Core reminds us, every conscious breath is an opportunity to act consciously so that our wellness does not come at the expense of others. To remember and reaffirm that our welfare is tied up together in one seamless garment of destiny. Every time we take a day off, it's an opportunity to remember that though it may cost us something to go on this vacation, to take this trip, to take this time out, it costs so many mother others so much more not to. In the midst of the very best kind of busyness of his life, the highest and holiest work Jesus still took time to turn aside and spend time up on that mountain, breathing, resting, loving himself, in order to reconnect with his divine roots. And that breath and that rest and that connection to love so transfigured, so changed and transformed him that even his disciples could see it as though he were shining from the inside out. It reminded him that no matter what happened, and he had a pretty good idea what was going to happen, no matter how things ultimately turned out, he was and always would be a beloved child of God. And so is everyone and everything else that draws breath. What happened on that mountaintop was a taste of the heaven on earth Jesus was striving to usher in for all people, made manifest in his own body, in his own blood and bones, mind and spirit and breath. It wasn't just a vision of what might come one day, not just a vision of the goal toward which he was working. It was an embodiment of that goal in his flesh. And so in imitation of Christ, we breathe because it is right and good for us so to do. We breathe so that all God's children, all creation can breathe as well. We rest because Sabbath rest is baked right into the way God made us to live. We rest because rest and pleasure and delight are God's gifts for all whom God has made. We love ourselves because God first loved us. We love ourselves so we can love our neighbors and even our enemies, for from such love is built the kingdom of God on earth, one breath at a time. Friends, will you breathe with me and with Jesus and with Valerie Kaur? Place a hand on your chest. Now take a deep breath. Feel your shoulders rise up and down. And then on the next breath, let your belly go. No one is watching. And if they are, who cares? Feel your belly fill up. Hold the inhale for four counts. Three, two, one. Now exhale for eight counts. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. 
Feel your heart beating in your chest under your hand. You are alive. You are here. Now look around you. What is the most beautiful thing that you can see right now? Don't overthink it. Look at it for a moment. Notice its color and shape, the way the light falls on it. Let yourself wonder at it. No matter what is happening out there in the world right now, no matter how dark or violent or cruel, this beautiful thing also exists. You also exist. The world right here is just as real as the world out there. Take another deep breath. Notice how it's a little easier. Now who can share this beautiful thing with you? When we see something that beautiful, we call it breathtaking, says Rabbi Sharon Bros. But we really should call it breath-giving. Because when suffering constricts the heart, awe stretches it back out, making us more compassionate, more loving, more present. Friends, remember to breathe. Be present. Loving yourself is literally the beginning of loving the whole world, our neighbors, our opponents, as Jesus loved. It's the beginning and the end, too, as well as all the means along the way. For the source, guide, and goal of love is love. God loves you. Now love yourself, and let that love transform you, change you, transfigure you, so that others cannot help but see it shining in you and wonder aloud, it is good that we are here. Love yourself, and let that love connect you with all whom God loves. Remember that when God greets each of us, God looks at us and says, Beloved, it is good that you are here.